1: Deep into blockchain beyond Bitcoin, we're going to be talking to government officials like Dr. Vanila Singh, and we're going to be talking to investors, entrepreneurs, technologists, regulatory folks, all because I think it's really important that people understand that blockchain is taking off. So in a story that was in the news quite a bit, the Yahoo breach, where billions and billions of personal accounts were stolen, the young man, Kareem Baratov, a hacker for hire, so to speak, who was allegedly working for the Russians, he was put away for five years when he was sentenced this week. Now, the good news is, for him, that he was facing 20 to 30 years. So he was quite pleased, him and his attorneys, that he only got a five-year sentence. But the U.S made a very clear statement. The U.S. attorney, Alex, De, that hackers such as Baratov ply their trade without regard for criminal objectives. And so they're just trying to say again that they're not messing around. In another privacy breach case, which we talked about earlier, and this is, it gets really sticky, is Aetna is going after their vendors. And what happened in this case was people who had HIV um, had notifications sent to them in envelopes with windows. Now think about that versus an envelope without windows. And so the breach is saying, and again, this isn't a technical breach or a digital breach, this is just old school snail mail, that the folks that had windows on their envelopes could potentially have had their personal data stolen. And so Edna decided to go after their vendors So this is a case about vendor management. We talk about GDPR, we talk about the European Union and how stringent they are. This is no joke that when a large company or any company decides that they're the ones that are gonna get um, lawsuits, they're gonna bring in all the people in the ecosystem. And this is, again, another potential use case for blockchain eventually, in that people are trying to figure out how to secure their supply chain, whether it's pharmaceuticals, agriculture, or even snail mail. In other news, a mental health provider decided to pay ransom instead of trying to unlock their encrypted files that were taken by a ransomware attacker. We talked about how the city of Atlanta spent $2.6 million remediating their breach. This is a case where the hospital decided it was just much easier to pay the ransom. We don't advocate that. We just know that there's tough choices to make. And that's the news of the week. So I had discussed a few weeks back that I was at Thai and Fleck 2018, a very large innovation conference here in Silicon Valley. Uh, Thai had 50 chapters around the world, and they've invested more than $75 billion in companies over the years that have uh, taken off. So this theme today is all about blockchain, its use cases, why it's important. And so the first interview I wanted to bring up is Dr. Vanila Singh, who is the chief medical officer of the Department of Health and Human Services. She had given a keynote at the conference and had talked a lot about where the government is looking at this technology. So what brings you to Ty? Well, I
2: was invited to give the keynote on the Thai inflect um, and uh, representing the U.S. government and the administration. I was happy to share some hot-off-the-press initiatives that were announced by Secretary Azar uh, relating to maximizing the potential of health IT um, and uh, really how we can find healthcare solutions here for the the current ongoing crises. My particular interest is opioids and pain.
1: Yeah, that's just an epidemic right now.
2: It is, and it is is really... um, not uh, sparing anybody. When you look across the nation, it's really across our states. Uh, People may have different root causes. Uh, Here in Silicon Valley, there's there's a lot of overworked, stressed, depressed, anxious people in, in rural West Virginia is folks who are sure out of luck. And the social and economic determinants are really um, not sparing anybody. And so it's a big issue. It's across all federal agencies, but it's going to take the private sector, state and local folks to really come together and, and um, help uh, stop the fatalities and near-death near, de- near death issues.
1: So, the, you know, with an agency that has $1.2 trillion in the budget, how does one go about handling these types of, how do you address this?
2: Uh, great question. So, HHS actually includes um, all the agencies that people have probably heard of on your program, FDA, NIH, CDC, CMS, um, SAMHSA, and others. And really, everybody's kind of got their work cut out for them for our priorities in terms of NIH is looking at it from a research perspective. FDA, of course, is considering um, what's in the pipeline, uh, devices that perhaps may help uh, get to novel solutions. CDC, of course, is tracking it from an epidemiologic issue. I'm in the public health sector there uh, in the office of the secretary and the assistant secretary for health. And we're, we're coordinating this, and uh, substance abuse, mental health, these are issues in our society, often with a stigma, but um, we're getting down to it because it has uh, an economic impact in the nation, uh, but it's also, it's just people suffering, so we're trying to deal with the issues.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of times um, people rightfully understand that it takes a while to get something through the government. So how does one, um, in your role, actually evaluate technology?
2: Well, I will tell you, I, I uh, have been practicing in the clinical trenches at Stanford for 15 years, and I have been using technology. Um, and you know, it's it's been one of those things that I think has impacted it in some ways that uh, we love. I mean, I love Uber. I love you know other tech um, uh, things that have helped our society. At the at the same time, there are things that are probably can be improved. I also see um, health IT, uh, security, you know, blockchain, AI, machine learning, precision medicine, all to be part of the future solutions. Uh, but in my, my humble view, I would say that it will take the sum of all our efforts. And I mean, like, the STEAM effort, the science, technology, engineering, art, uh, and medicine, uh, and, and mathematics, actually. And so I think that's, that's what I'm here to state, is the collaborative efforts.
1: So it's really encouraging that Dr. Singh was mentioning how the government is very interested in emerging technologies like blockchain and figuring out how to use it. Next up, we have Musab Saleh, who is the head payment architect at eBay. And Musab is a great guy, but he's a little bit contrarian to blockchain. Why don't we take a listen?
3: So Musab, what have you seen so far in the show? So I was actually a very pleasant surprise with uh, Thai and Fleck 2018. It's the first time I attend the conference. Um... The level of energy, the level of idea exchange, the quality of some of the sessions are actually very, very good. And it really talks to the fact that we're successful in bringing professionals, whether they're entrepreneurs or established companies, or even some of the sort of market leaders to talk about common topics, which means that we have similar problems that we want to solve. Actually, it gives me, it gave me a few ideas of how to go back and apply some of the things that I heard and things that I we're doing at eBay already. Yeah, so thank
1: you very much for the explanation. So what are some of the things that eBay is working on?
3: Um, first and foremost, we want to be relevant to our buyers and sellers. We want to be the destination that they go for in getting their version of perfect. Uh, that is something we repeat quite frequently because it's personalized. It's what's perfect for you. It's different than what's perfect for me. We want to provide you the best selections. We want to provide you the best relevant choices, and we want to provide the sellers with the most powerful payment platform to allow them to convert those uh, leads into actual paying customers and repeatedly paying customers. So we're trying to offer the best payment solution for buyers and sellers globally in a currency that is local to you, that's relevant to to our buyers. We want to provide payout options for our sellers that are relevant to their local banks. We want to do that as easily and as efficiently and streamlined as possible, all your fees bundled into one fee instead of this bifurcated eBay fee and PayPal fee and insertion fee and whatever. So we wanna make it so easy to transact on the eBay platform that it is a destination for our buyers and sellers all the time.
1: That's great. And so that then leads to the question of what eBay's doing right now, AI, machine learning. Yes. So what's all the hype on blockchain?
3: So blockchain is a very interesting technology. I think a lot of people fell in love with the technology and they started looking for use cases to apply it, right? So it's a solution looking for a problem.
1: Yeah, like a hammer looking for a nail. Absolutely.
3: So the concept is really awesome, right? You reduce the single point of validation. I want to transfer money to you. I have to have an intermediary. Blockchain takes that away in a very trusted manner. The main thing is... For people to get the benefit of blockchain, everybody has to play in that ecosystem. And so that hasn't materialized yet. I'm not saying that technology is faulty. It's actually very much warranted to have a second and third and fourth look, but it's not there yet.
1: So Masab gave us a very good look into what eBay is doing in payments and what they're thinking about in regards to blockchain. In our next segment, we'll be talking about those companies that are actually adopting blockchain. We'll go through a couple of use cases, so stay tuned.
0: For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo.
1: Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo, And today's show is all about how different types of groups are adopting blockchain technology, which is beyond Bitcoin. This is really important because this is beyond what people think Bitcoin is, it's how to invest in cryptocurrency safely. It's how to adopt a technology and how to not waste money in doing it. So in our first segment, we had Dr. Vanila Singh, Chief Medical Officer of the Department of Health and Human Services, talking about the government's view of emerging technologies like blockchain. We also had um, an eBay architect who had a slightly different view, but that's because they're working on their own payment technology. On last week's show, I brought up the topic about what biohacking is, and that was in context of the Swedes. Uh, There's more than 3,000 of them who have gone ahead and implanted their microchips in their hands. So the question of the week is really, what is biohacking? And then a little more detail. Biohacking used to be about how to alter your diet, take supplements, um, get more sleep, and then there was wearables like an Apple Watch, a Fitbit, um, Strata for biking but now we're talking about physically altering your body with technology in order to do new things. And so, right now, the most frequent use case is the same technology that's in your pets. It's called chipping, where you're actually putting a microchip inside, under your skin, and it's using a technology called near-field communications. Um, that is really more widely known as IoT devices now, Internet of Things. And it can be used for lots of different reasons. Uh, there's, there's silly uses like, putting a chip in your hand so somebody can scan you and get to your website. But there's also things like you know buying snacks, unlocking doors, getting into cars, um, buying groceries. There's commercials about being able to you know, take, com- take groceries off of different shelves in the store and then just walking out of the store and you think that the guy or the gal is a robber and really they're just using this technology. But I think there's going to be a lot more news because it seems like, uh, especially with millennials, that people are very willing to adopt this technology for a number of different reasons. So, for instance, there is um, ease of use. You don't have to carry a wallet around. But there's also people who think it's more secure because people think that their identities get hacked or credit cards get hacked. Uh, it's still arguable about how safe this technology is, but I'm sure there'll be more to come. So today's show, we've been talking about blockchain and how it's really advancing quite quickly. I had mentioned uh, in the last show that Steve Wozniak had said that within 10 years, blockchain and Bitcoin will go mainstream. So today's show is all about that education. Next up on our show is Greg LeBlanc, who is the FinTech Education Director at the Berkeley Institute. And he's going to talk about how universities like Berkeley are trying to educate people about blockchain and how they can actually advance themselves and their own education. So Greg, you said you've been here a few times.
4: Yeah, this is my third year, I believe, at, at Thai TyCon. Ty and Fleck now.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's fine. What are some of the things you've noticed in the past years compared to this year?
4: Well, what's interesting is that the tracks keep changing, and so they kind of stay up to the moment. We had quite a bit of uh, uh, interest in blockchain this year, which Uh, was virtually non-existent. Near and dear to my heart, yes. In previous years. Uh, And so I like the fact that they they keep things current and uh, up to date and bring in speakers who can um, comment on what's happening in in these fields.
1: Yeah, innovation's always uh, moving. So how are you supporting your students?
4: So uh, we we believe that if the world is changing outside faster than on the inside, that we'll die. And so it's important for us as an educational institution to Uh, Provide students with uh, skills that are current, uh, information that's current, research that's current, and uh, practical insight and exposure to industry that's current. So in in the area of of fintech and blockchain, we we launched a course this year uh, that I believe is the first one in the country that brings together uh, law, business, and engineering, insight from practitioners and professors and students in all three disciplines uh, with the goal of of designing real world business applications that could get funded and put into action before the semester is even over.
1: Yeah, that's, that's great. Do you, do, you, do you find that students are struggling to find those resources?
4: Uh, I think it's just that it's a very chaotic landscape, and a little bit of curation goes a long way, uh, bringing people together, helping them to network, um, introducing them to industry people. And, and most importantly, um, uh, the engineers are very high on the technology, but they don't necessarily understand how to yeah. make it uh, uh, viable. Uh, you know, business folks are pretty good at identifying ways to build businesses, but the technology is very opaque, and then both of them kind of, um, forget that you gotta do this without going to jail. And, you know, you gotta yeah, understand.
1: No, that, that's exactly what we focus on, you, too. Yeah, you gotta
4: understand the legal landscape.
1: What's the best way for, for pres- prospective students to get engaged with you?
4: So, uh, if you're interested in coming to, to, to Berkeley and any of these programs, just reach out to me. I'd love to discuss and tell you what we have to offer, and, and uh, you know, we're always looking for the, the best and the brightest of students, not only as uh, formal official students at the university, but we also have a number of programs that are open to, uh, to, to non-students.
1: Today's show is all about blockchain, the rapid adoption we're hearing it in the media, we're hearing in the press, we're seeing it in live use cases at the conference I was at. It was just one of the main tracks. And we're about to have Ibrahim Al-Hussein, the founder of Full Cycle Energy. So tell me more about Full Cycle Okay, so you know, I think everybody
5: is now attuned to the global garbage crisis, given how much we hear about the island in the middle of the Pacific full of plastics. Islands. Yes. Several <laughs> islands,
1: right?
5: Right, and you know, I'm glad that's the case. The other day I saw a video made by BBC about the plastic in the ocean, and it was watched by 90.7 million people. So I'm so glad people are finally aware about this issue.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely so, global reach.
5: Yes, so we're very excited because we, uh, as... Uh, clean tech investors for a long time five years ago we ran into a technology by a company called sonova power that was developed by the energy center of the netherlands that converts garbage into electricity very efficiently and at a cost that allows the economics to work for a global rollout so we got behind it and created full cycle so we can make sure that it gets uh, expeditiously adopted
1: (laughs) and then with that how does it lead into your project now
5: so we this is you know this is our third fund we've done very well on the first couple of funds and with the uh, advent of blockchain technology and with the digital asset tokenization uh, we also have a desire to democratize investing and to help narrow the wealth gap so we thought you know what since we have instead of a lot of people investing in these digital assets in very speculative uh, projects which you know we wish them all the best right. since we have this infrastructure renewable energy big problem solving we believe low risk asset uh, we will make it available to anybody who's qualified around the world to participate and you know, and have them enjoy the benefit of being able to help us solve this problem, and hopefully some financial upside.
1: No, I'm so glad you said that because, like you, I think there's been a lot of noise, a lot of uh, we refer to either fakes or frauds or flawed ideas around blockchain. But really, what we're seeing now are like, concepts like yours are really trying to drive this technology forward in ways that it was intended, or the people that behind it were intending, in terms of in the sense democratizing things like able to reach out to average investors
5: yes correct to, to us it's not just a promotion we don't we don't use those words as lip service we actually believe in them and we're making them available on on the scale that we are because you know the the, the promise of blockchain still exists even you know uh, even with all the noise and fraud and nonsense that's out there
1: yeah I couldn't be more right. so stay tuned in our next segment we're gonna have companies that actually have real blockchain use cases. Remember to email us at info at svina.biz for any information. We'll also be talking about regulations. We'll be right back.
0: For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host Keith Koo.
1: Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host Keith Koo. Today's show has been all about the rapid adoption of blockchain technologies beyond Bitcoin. In the last segment, we talked about an investor who's using it as a platform to manage the investors in his fund, and they're doing something around environmental protection. And now we're moving into continued discussion around blockchain, which is actual use cases and the regulatory effects. On last week's show, I had talked about how Nuance Communications, which is a dictation software, had a breach that affected 45,000 patients, which means it's a hospital-related breach. And further discovery was that it was an insider, so somebody who worked within the hospital system that had been stealing all these files for nefarious purposes, whether disgruntled or whether they were monetizing it. It just highlights two things: one, we called it insider threat because it's inside to your organization. You really need to be aware and you have to have controls around that uh, we talk about how we really encourage organizations to do risk assessments and there's groups who do that for you so if you need information email us at info at svn.biz and i'll make sure you get connected and secondly there's a reason why hospitals get hit so often hospitals and i know people get upset when i say it are not as regulated as banks banks get attacked 50 to 100,000 times a day Hospitals do not, and they don't have the same regulatory controls, because apparently the government will mandate that money is safe, but not necessarily your health records. So it's really up to you, whether you're a hospital or a small business, to protect yourself. And again, I encourage you to get a risk assessment. So back to today's show, we've been talking about blockchain. We've been talking about how it's not just a cryptocurrency, that there are actual practical applications. And so next up, we have Ram Srinivasan, who's the CEO of a supply chain blockchain called Skew Chain, And he's very passionate about this technology. So what brings you to TIE
6: So, I mean, it's a huge conference. We are local. Uh, uh, Mohan, who is the chair of the blockchain track, uh, is well known to us. He called me up and said, would you be available? And I said, well, we
1: are in town. We definitely would be available. Great. Right. And um, because I've been doing interviews all day, what was what was covered in the blockchain panel
6: so the panel was called blockchain startups Uh, there were three panelists and the moderator was a uh, venture capitalist and the ideas were uh, how do you separate signal from noise in the blockchain and uh, how did each one of us uh, come into this actual space so those were the kinds of topics it was uh, a broad overview okay and so then what was your story how did skewchain get started so, actually, I'm the winner of 12 hackathons in Silicon Valley. And one of them got the attention of the American Express CEO, Ken Chenow. And uh, I was looking to see how could I take it to market. This was Jan 2014. And I looked at this thing called Bitcoin. I read the white paper. I got fascinated. I wanted to learn more. It was hard to get more information those days. So I started the SF Bitcoin Devs Meetup. It was running in San Francisco. I started that at Mountain View at the Hacker Dojo and brought in lots of people, got deep into the code, tried to understand it, and saw the value in the chain versus the coin. And in the September-October time frame of 2014, started Skew Chain to bring provenance tracking into the supply chain. Once we started, we recognized that the biggest problem was not the, just getting provenance, it's the adoption. It's yes. Why? Why would somebody, the supplier, supplier, add an extra cost to his workflow?
1: Yeah, no, that's in my entire background, doing supply chain risk management, um, negotiating with vendors. And how I got into blockchain is really the same as you, is beyond the crypto aspect of it, there is utility. Mm-hmm. And the adoption of that's important in order to move this technology forward. So thanks for the work you're doing. Mm-hmm. So what are kind of the learnings you've had so far? So what we have found out
6: is that there has to be a clear incentive at the last mile. Uh, because, I mean, this is a trucker or a warehouse operator or somebody who's got a, a difficult job. And, you know, you got to help him and make his life easy. Otherwise, you're going to have trouble in adoption. And his boss has got to get see a real value immediately because they're not looking at innovation and IT and all of that stuff. They're looking at, like, facts on the ground, money in my pocket. Uh, when we provide them working capital relief their eyebrows go up, and they say, wow, that's something I want. Now tell me, oh, how high do I have to jump? What do I got to do to get that? And we say, well, all you got to do is use a smartphone and do some scanning. And they say, well, yeah, we can do that.
1: Yeah, I, I speak, as you I speak a lot on panels and conferences. I was at Plug & Play's uh, tech Forum a few weeks back. And really, I said kind of the same thing. Like, Blockchain shouldn't be used if there's a simpler way of doing it, or a more cost-effective way of doing it. You should know why you're jumping into it. But then once you get through the noise, once you figure out the utility and use case, it can be a very effective tool and platform. No, I agree with you. I mean, blockchain
6: for the sake of blockchain doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But, uh, you know typical database software as SaaS, cloud software, essentially siloed, right? But uh, in business, especially in supply chain, we have collaborations, we have ecosystems, we have partners, we buy, we sell, we have insurance, we have logistics, we have all of them, right? Uh, you can't have a centralized database there. You have to have a system And EDI and XML and ERP systems have been the workhorses, but, you know, they're not quite as sophisticated as like Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook that they're used to. It turns out, that the security that the blockchain provides turns it into like your inventory now
1: tweets. Right. Yeah. Shri CEO of Skewchain, thanks again for being here. So next up, I have Marianne Monroe, who is the CEO and founder of Ninth Gear, a former venture capitalist turned entrepreneur, and Marianne was just a fantastic speaker and she was really talking about her own experience in diving into the regulations behind blockchain. She's very well-versed in it, even though that's not her main gig and she's not an attorney. So we should listen to what she had to say. So you just got off a panel. I did. What was it about?
7: It was about investment and regulatory trends, which is a hot area right now.
1: I can imagine. Um, So my show, we talk a lot about innovation, cross-border business, fintech and blockchain, etc. But what we said was the secret of Silicon Valley up until now was free access to capital, smart people, great networking, great weather but also the lack of regulations until now?
7: Well, a lot of these uh, things that we're talking about with blockchain have regulations that are important because they are involved in securities. And there's a lot of questions about tokens, cryptocurrencies, and whether or not the Howey test applies. So the Howey test is a really old law from 1946, and it talks about what is and what is not a security. And there are some... um, Variations of it, and some exemptions. So you could have reg A, reg A plus, or reg D exemptions. But if you don't have one of those, and you are um, a token, you could be in violation of some of those laws if you don't follow if you don't follow them. And so what we're see- what we're seeing over the course of the last oh I don't know six eight months up to a year is that. Things have been completely unregulated. And then last year in July, the DAO report came out from the SEC. It's also called 81207. And they talked a lot about the fact that there are these tokens that operate like securities. And the SEC does not put out uh, memorandums and laws in advance of what's happening. They put it out after. They like to see what's happening in the ecosystem decide if they like it, and then if they don't like it, they say, no, no, don't do that. So they put out this regulation last July, and a lot of people said, oh, okay, and didn't follow it. And we saw that happen. It was a very frothy, really frothy environment with ICOs up through the end of 2017.
1: Yep. Although, uh, we've talked about it, out of 900 plus ICOs last year, 2017, um, over 50% of them were dead by February, either flawed or fraud.
7: Correct, And, you know, less than 9% of the token economics are appropriate. So in February last of this year, the SEC started sending out love letters in yes. the form of subpoenas. And so that got a lot of people's attention. And then they started to arrest people. And now, um, this week, there was a class action that happened against Ripple and their XRP token and against the founders. And it'll be very interesting to see what happens. And it's unfortunate, but I think that they will be the poster child of Bad Bad behavior because of uh, the SEC's looking to to find a use case or, no, no, or no, an example.
1: That. As a former banker, I talk about this a lot, and, and um, I know we're focusing, you're spot on with the SEC, mm-hmm. and um, Marianne, you definitely have demonstrated your understanding of the space, and we, we'll get into another show, but the CFTC, the IRS, FINRA, the list goes on and on and on. But back to the example with Ripple, and. Regulators often look for poster children. Um, All those companies are using SAFs as well.
7: I do not like SAFs. SAFs are not safe. And uh, we love the safe that came out of Y Combinator, Simple Agreement for Future Equity. It's a wonderful vehicle. But a SAFT is a different, completely different animal. And people need to be concerned about that. So a lot of lawyers will be very well employed this
1: year. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation we've yes. time for, but I'd love to have you on the show sometime. Be happy. So as I mentioned, Marianne is very well versed in regulations, even though that's not her main business. And I'm looking very forward to what she's doing with Ninth Gear. In our next segment, as we wrap, we'll make it a very uplifting segment. We'll have Jeremy Allman, who's the CEO of Paystand, and he was on a panel called Words of Wisdom. He has a lot of good advice for entrepreneurs. So don't forget, if you ever need to reach me, you can email us at info at svn.biz. I'm also on LinkedIn, Keith Koo. I'm also on Facebook, KeithKoo.sv. And I'm on Twitter, SVI underscore Keith. Reminder that today's show is about blockchain. And we'll be right back. For
0: questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith
1: Koo. Hi, Insiders. Keith Koo again. Welcome back to the show. This is our final segment. And today's show has been all about blockchain, its adoption, its use, how governments are looking at it, how people think about it, how people are getting excited more and more beyond Bitcoin. And one thing I really wanted to bring up is that uh, even the SEC is deciding to be more vocal about what the recommendations are. In our last segment, we had Marianne Monroe, who is the CEO of Ninth Gear, and she is very well versed in regulations. And she had kind of painted a picture, almost a bleak picture, on how startups have a lot of challenges in regards to this technology. It's not like the startups of the old days in Silicon Valley. People really do need to be aware of what they're getting into. Um, They just don't know. But the good news is, right after that interview with Marianne, the SEC came out with their own latest guidance. Um, Hester Pierce, who is one of the commissioners, she was the very first senior SEC official to talk about how she. they recognize that the SEC does need to adapt. They do need to come out with some new guidance. Uh, she used the analogy of being a lifeguard at the beach, that they want to be very watchful and keep everyone safe, but at the same time, they don't want to inhibit the ability to swim. Um, she also said that the SEC doesn't want to be an innovative in regulation. And in regulator ease, that just means that Regulators are often very conservative. They're trying to match their findings with the rate of adoption of technology. So she acknowledges that there's that need to do so, but that they don't want to be the ones creating new law. That's where lawmakers come in. So I think it's a really good point to be at, especially at this time in our economy and in this technology, because Steve Wozniak says that Bitcoin and blockchain are the transformational technologies of the next decade. So the last interview on today's show is Jeremy Almond, who is the CEO of Paystand. Jeremy came off a panel called Words of Wisdom, which is really about advice for entrepreneurs. But he sprinkles a lot of good advice, including those that are looking at blockchain and ICOs. So Jeremy, you were on the Words of Wisdom panel. What was that like?
8: Well, I think... Startups in general, a big area is, is how do you grow and how do you grow fast? And so being able to be with a, a number of folks on the panel to talk about once you cross the chasm, what is it like to scale a business, what are the challenges, what are the areas you need to focus on, um, was, was really, I think, the focus of the panel.
1: Okay. And from that, was there anything new you learned or something that you imparted that you wanted to get across to startups?
8: Well, I, I think one of the things I heard commonly on the panel was... Regardless if you are a technical co-founder or not, you're building a great product or not. At some point, for the sc- or to scale, you actually have to
1: sell. Yes. So. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point, especially with. And I know there's been a lot of hype with blockchain ICOs in 2017, and a lot of thought of the money that went into it in the first quarter of 2018. I mean, there was a point in a lot of companies I'm talking to, like there really was very little. Investment dollars that were non-ICO related. So now we're kind of going back the other way, which is now companies really, as you said, need to think about at some point. No matter how great or smart you are, selling is actually a key concept.
8: It is, and you know, it's it's a it's a great point. So our company Paystand uh, is a B two B payment company. You can think of us like a Venmo for commercial transactions. Uh, we're we're blockchain powered. We've been around for about four years now. And one of the things I think I've seen in the in our space in financial services is a ton of ICOs and a ton of companies with white papers and maybe some proof of concept product that um, uh, have a long way to go before there's something real and material. Um, and I think going back to a concept where you're building business, it's about show, not tell, um, that solve material problems is, is and always has been uh, the key to building scalable companies.
1: Right. Right, and I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, what I'm noticing now is that even quote unquote folks who, who hit it already in the valley, and they are quote unquote doing a blockchain project, that even they are finding out as people realize that ICOs are really just a crowdfunding vehicle. That's right. That um, that they're having difficulty getting that last mile of investment.
8: Yeah, I would say you know we've been uh, fairly, let's call it. Um, different in the blockchain space because uh, I fundamentally believe that ICOs are not a good vehicle for early-stage investing. Um, I think that for good and bad of the VC space, uh, early-stage investors are actually very good at taking a nascent idea and helping get it off the ground. Um, They understand the risk. It's built into the business model. Um, Retail investors who are in the ICOs space don't necessarily. Now, I do not think that the ICOs are um, completely useless. I think one of the areas that, that ICOs will evolve into is scaled companies. So once a company is scaled, it's, let's call it $10, $20, 50000000 million in revenue, it's eventually going to be a material growth company. Absolutely. And that's a great place, I think, for ICOs to find ultimately their sweet spot.
1: Right. And at that point, it might not be an ICO. It'll be some other vehicle. That's right. Yeah. So Jeremy, thanks again for joining us. Jeremy Almond, CEO of PayStand, and I'd love to have you on the show. Awesome. Appreciate it, Keith. So, today's show has been all about blockchain, its use cases, investors, people diving into it. People have been in it for a long time. People have been in it for a short time. What are the regulatory concerns? If you're an investor, how do you invest in cryptocurrencies safely? And we're talking about not necessarily pushing a particular blockchain or cryptocurrency, but what it takes to actually invest in these things, such as how do you open a wallet? How do you get started? So, for my encouragement is that everyone needs to be understanding this technology. As we've said a few times in the show already, people like Steve Wozniak, blockchain and Bitcoin will revolutionize the next decade. So you've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. You can always email us at info at and see you next week.
0: You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846, 888-828-SVIN.